Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 142, The Unquiet Dead. Yeah, just that title is going to get you all excited, oh, isn't it? Oh, so good. So creepy. Like, we're not in October yet, but mm. I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked. It's more sad than creepy, I feel like, but you'll see what I mean. Well, this is one of the rare episodes where we record the intro before recording the episode. So listeners, you and I will find out together. Ha That's always a plus. Do you know who I would choose to find out really anything together with me, Julia, because they're so good and supportive? It's our new patrons. Our new patrons, Allie and Richard. You join the likes of our wonderful patrons, including our supporting producer level folks. Philip, Eeyore, Skyla, Mercedes, Samantha, Marissa, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh. Y'all just, I want to I wanna have a Prohibition cocktail with you. Uh, delicious. And I would absolutely pour a cocktail for our legend-level patrons. Mark, Ayla, Cody, Mr. Folk, James, Jess, Sarah, Sandra, Audra, and Jack Marie. I would even break out the egg whites for y'all. Speaking of which, Julia, let me know, please, what beautiful cocktail's in front of me. Oh, well, obviously, Amanda, you have a lovely cocktail here. I didn't break out the egg whites for this one, but it is... A Corpse Survivor number two. I don't know what happens to number one, but number two's so good that I don't really need it. I'll tell you a little bit more about it once we get into the episode. Ooh, I'm excited. Good. And would you please let me know something that you're reading, watching, listening to this week? Well, currently Jake is having me watch The Sopranos from start to finish, which I've never done before. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's the most Jake thing in the but world. that's not my recommendation for this week. I'm going to recommend My Hero Academia, which is a real good anime. Currently, outside of our studio, Eric Silver is watching it on his laptop because I recommended it to him a little while back. And it is very good. It's both goofy and also scary. And it's incredible world building. And I just I like the show quite a lot. Yeah, I uh, just moved in together with Eric, who is my partner in life, love, and podcasting, uh, as I realize I've not talked about in the show before, but, you know, it's true. Um, And My Hero Academia has been the only show that has been on in our house. No, not usually in anime, but I really like this one. It's yeah. very sweet. It's very interesting. Like all the powers are really cool. The problem solving is neat. Little like 25 minute chunks. So I recommend it too. Yeah. I got y'all to watch Food Wars earlier in the year. And oh, that was so good. A Eagerly awaiting the next season. Mm, me too. Give me those subs. Mm-hmm, mm. But if you run out of anime to watch or you're in a situation where you only have to listen to podcasts and obviously you're all cut up on spirits, maybe recommend the other shows in Multitude. There's so much going on these days. Potterless just finished the books. Mike is done with Deathly Hallows and he has so many fun things coming up, including some familiar voices that you may want to to listen to. Yeah. Also, Join the Party is coming back. Yeah, we are. We just released a supersize an hour long after party at the end of the world. It's very good. As we prepare for our final story arc, we answered a bunch of questions about the story, our future, our production, our budgets, like our workflow. And it was super fun to do. Honestly, the after parties are one of my favorite things that y'all do. And it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see the, the story behind the story, in my opinion. And Horse is somehow more dramatic now in the of in the off season of the NBA and the end of the WNBA than it was in like the peak of both. So it is extremely wonderful. Every single time you're going to walk away with a good story, like how a white samurai almost killed the like legend of basketball. Michael Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Almost died because of a katana. A white samurai. It's wild. It's wild. It's wild. So just type multitude into your podcast player and make sure you subscribe to all of our other shows. Yeah. Also, before we get into this episode, I just want to put a content warning at the beginning. This episode does have heavy mentions of suicide and also child death. So if those are topics that can affect you, just take care of yourself. You have to skip this one. We understand. It's okay. We'll see you next week. Take care of yourself. That's what's important. Yeah. And in the meantime, enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 142, The Unquiet Dead.
So, Amanda, I was going on a Slavic folklore deep dive like I occasionally do on my free time. Man, I sing the Bird Husband song so often. It's very good. I really love it. Um, And I stumbled across a phrase that was the unquiet dead. (gasps) So evocative. So uh, the first few references I found to this category were associated with vampires. However, in Slavic belief, the phrase is a little bit more broader of a category. It's not just vampires or what we understand vampires to be. Here's actually a quote from a book by Bruce McClelland. Hope I pronounced that right. Called Slayers and Their Vampires, A Cultural History of Killing the Dead. Which sounds like a very cool I need book. it. <laughs> uh, so here's the quote. These unfortunates are construed as the unquiet dead or vampires or other restless demons with human form. It is likely that the category of the restless or unquiet dead in Slavic belief is an older mythological category than the vampire, since related beliefs about the unfortunate consequences of premature death or improper burial are found in many Slavic and even non-Slavic areas, where vampires are either non-existent or insignificant. That's super fascinating. And I see now what you meant in the intro by this being a little sadder than it is spooky. Yeah. Because that makes complete sense. Like unquiet, restless, roaming. Mm -hmm. Those are things that we don't think about when we wish someone a a peaceful afterlife. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like we've touched on this topic of the unquiet dead in a lot of different episodes, even in non-Slavic countries. But I think that I really wanted to do a deep dive here because there are a lot of really interesting stories that do all tie together but have different flavors, which, you know, is one of my favorite things for a roundup episode. I love that. It's it's not something we usually, I don't know, I mean, in thinking about the dead, um, we often think about like their powers or their effect on humans. Like, are they haunting? Are they more like malicious and coming after you? Are they protecting something or people? But it sounds like these are sort of creatures that are bound together, not by what they do, but how they were made. Yes. And I think that is super interesting. Oh, you got the exact point that I wanted to go for. Thank you for that. Good communication. And basically what, what differentiates a normal person who dies and passes on from a spirit that is born out of that death. So perfect. Thank you for hitting my topic exactly right. Okay. Boop. Basically, the unquiet dead are spirits in Slavic folklore that are typically associated with a death that is unnatural or the ritual of burial is not performed properly, as was mentioned in the quote. So we're going to talk about a couple of different unquiet dead in this episode. But first, let me tell you about the cocktail that we're drinking. Um, So I picked for this episode the Corpse Reviver number two. So this is a prohibition era cocktail. Originally, it was devised to act as a hangover cure. Which is, Ooh. which is reviving yeah. the dead. See? Hell yeah. I do feel like a corpse on, on days when I have overindulged. Uh, so now we just drink them to give us a hangover, which is a bit of a change. Things Fair. change. Uh, reminds me of Jekyll and Hyde. Rip. Oh, I miss it so much. I miss oh. it so much. So this drink is gin, Lille Blanc, Cointreau, a dash of absinthe, and fresh lemon juice traditionally. So to kind of play with the foresty vibe that we're going to be seeing in a lot of the Slavic myths, I garnish with rosemary and thyme, slightly bruised. Best way to bruise your your herbs, by the way. Is, is it just, to do a wrestling move on them? No, it's just to put it between your hands and then clap on it and then drop it in. It just releases the oils without getting weird herby bits in your drink. Jules, you know that I love a garnish. Mm-hmm. We're here for garnishes. And whenever I go to like a cocktail bar where it's like fancy and they kind of make something based on your tastes, I go, I just want, I want a forest sized garnish <laughs> and pebble ice. Yes. And anything you would serve in that situation is a drink that I want. Uh, you're just, you're a big tiki bar fan then, huh? That's true. That's just you all taught the me things. Well. I do my best. So the addition of rosemary and thyme kind of adds a complexity that detracts from the bitterness of the lemon juice and the absinthe, which are traditionally pretty bitter. Um, We'll take a quick sip and then feel like we've raised ourselves from the grave. And then we're going to get started with one of my favorites of the Unquiet Dead, the Vila. 
Mm, tell me all about the Vila, please. So the Vila is typically portrayed as a beautiful woman with long blonde hair, and they come in a couple of different forms. So similar to nymphs and dryads in Greek mythology. So same basic concept, but specializing in different areas. You know, I dig it. Not Fleur Delacour, I'm assuming. Inspiration for, for the Harry Potter one. We can talk about that at the end of the thing. But I think Sorry, really I had cool. to contractually get our Harry Potter I reference in the first 10 minutes. Thank you. So the ones that live in the forest are known as Poiseme Villa. And the spirits from the water are known as Povoni Villa. Hopefully this is good, good Slavic. Yep. We're trying. I'm so sorry already. <laughs> My apologies. And then the ones that are found in the air and the clowns are known as Srachna Vila. So like many spirits in various folklore, they can take the form of animals as well as their human forms. Vila can sometimes be seen as swans, falcons, horses, and wolves. Hmm. In particular, the the air ones, they are known to transform into whirlwinds that sweep across the countryside. Dang, I really like that imagery. That's awesome. So this is why some scholars believe that the term vila comes from the Slavic word to wind or whirlwind, or the Sanskrit word for air or wind. At night, the vila are said to roam in the clouds playing pipes and drums in a terrifying way. Ooh. I love a terrifying way to play pipes. Oh, yeah, me too. If you were caught at night and you hear them go by and you call out to them, bad move first off. Don't mm-mm, do that. Mm-mm. Don't don't engage with the, the spirits. Let them go. Just let them do their thing. You would instantly become stiff and find it difficult to move. Mm. And then you are stricken with disease and would die sometime in the next year or two. Amanda, I know you have like thoughts on like the period of time before a thing ends. Oh, I sure do, Julia. Uh, how do you feel about a year or two versus like seven days before you die? Worst case scenario. Okay. Worst case scenario. It's just like sometime in the next year or so. Because, I mean, imagine that, like, you have a shiver or uh, you have a muscle cramp, right? Walking in the in the evening in Russia, which I just assume is always fucking cold. Yep. And then you're like, well, am I going to die? Guess I won't know for the next year to two. Like, what? Fair. That's horrible. You want very specific timelines if you're going to Strike me down immediately. Cool. Don't, don't give me a chance to think about it. All right, good. I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page there. I also like this... Um, this a uh, sort of ominous pipe and drum. It reminds me of the opening to Songs for a New World, a little deep cut for the musical mm, nerds out there. That is um, a deep cut. Where there is, in fact, an ominous pipe and drum. Yeah, yeah, there is, now that I remember that. Man, that show's weird. The new orchestrations, wild. Yeah, I'm going to have to re-listen of the, to of it. Of the, uh, the concert version. Just, they're very good choices, actually. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Anyway, I'm going to have to re-listen. On. I appreciate it. So, Vila are somewhat associated with Artemis and Diana because they are noted for their wild hunts where they ride on either horses or stags. I personally think the stag is a better option for a mount. It just looks cooler. Yeah. Horns make everything better. They do. In my opinion. Yeah. And yeah. you're, like, conscripting, you know, a male animal to, uh, like, women's hunt. Yeah. It's great. Suck it. They're also associated with the Valkyrie in many ways, as they often seek out strong, handsome men and assist them in battle and destroying their enemies, which honestly, relationship goals. I love that. Despite the fact that they're often associated with death, there are several stories in which they have healing powers. Interesting. So one of the most important aspects is their circle dance, in which they do magic, but it's also a way of attracting the ire of Vila, which is bad. While they typically are neutral to benevolent, they will take revenge on anyone who insults them, disregards orders that they make, or comes into the circle dance uninvited. That just checks out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's classic face stuff, honestly. Don't break a circle. Just don't break a circle. Don't do it. As I mentioned, the unquiet dead typically were restless souls. Ooh. Uh, in the case of the Vile, they were typically restless souls of deceased girls who died heartbroken or were killed by their lovers. Wow. 
Yeah. I mean, it is obviously tragic, but I sort of love the poetic justice of a very, like, filled with agency kind of afterlife. It mm-hmm. sounds like you're just kind of like chilling and, you know, wreaking havoc among your enemies, which sounds like a kind of poetic afterlife yeah. for someone who died under those circumstances. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. And this actually ties into an interesting aspect about the Vila, uh, the fact that in Serbian traditions, heroes and also your average young teenage girl basically could have a Vila as a blood sister. So Ooh. they would help improve one's beauty and also protect a distant lover if you appealed to them. Dang. So wait, these are related. They were related to you in life or they're like a, a spirit, like a fairy godmother that you kind of like bring to you and attract to you. The latter. Ooh. Yeah, it's not interesting. I love that. I, like I just that like the interplay of like the the spirit and a flesh and blood stag or person. Like that's yeah. a really cool kind of crossover. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. That. Because you mentioned the Harry Potter thing, I will say Vila in Harry Potter are you know, somewhat tied to this. Weirdly, J.K. Rowling decides that they're half bird creatures, which is not completely accurate. They're most likely getting that inspiration from the Greek Furies or something to Mm -hmm. that effect. But uh, yeah, the the, like beautifulness and whatnot and the being able to attract men to them definitely fits into the original Slavic traditions. And Fleur Delacour is said to have Vila blood, not to be a full Vila. So it's possible that maybe Avila was like a blood sister or there was some kind of like Vila relation or I don't know, down the line. Yeah, no, I think if I remember my Harry Potter correctly, she's one eighth Vila. So I think one of her grandparents was a Vila. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I like it. Or great-grandparents. I don't know. Math. (laughs) So next up is a somewhat more similar version of the Vila in that it's a female, beautiful, naked spirit, but this is a much more malicious one. So this is the Mavka. Thanks for building up to the maliciousness. Yeah, of course. Always good. So the name comes from the Proto-Slavic term for the dead. Great. It's straightforward. I appreciate that. Again, much like the Vila, they are the restless spirits of girls, but these are ones that more broadly just died of unnatural, tragic, or premature deaths. Sure. Uh, Unchristened babies is a popular one as well in terms of origin story. It is said that if the soul of a baby is not rescued for seven years and does not go to heaven, then the baby will be turned into a mavka. Mm. So here's what makes the mavka stand out compared to our other unquiet dead. So mavkas have no reflection in the water, which is very vampire-esque. Ooh, like it. They have no shadows. They don't cast shadows. And most notably, they have no back, meaning that you can see their insides when their back is not covered with their long hair. Yoinks. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's cool imagery. It is super cool. It's not as horrifying as other like body cutout slash mashup situations that we've Mm -hmm. talked about before. Yes. I think that there's another Scandinavian spirit that also has no back or has a hole in their back or chest or something like that. I don't really remember. And my like preliminary Googling did not bring anything up. So if you know what it is, tell us. And another great reason to follow Spirits on Twitter and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We're so good. Julia's so good. I do my best. So they're well known for luring young men into the woods where they then tickle them to death. And I have, we've talked about tickling to death before and I did more research. Yes. So tickle torture is something that was a legitimate thing that was practiced across various cultures and dates back as far as the Han Dynasty in China and also ancient Rome. Oh no. However, I think it's much more likely that this is a reference to being tickled to death and it's more a polite way uh, that they're just being killed during sex with the mavka. Oh. Yes, so tickled. 
that's a I euphemism. See. Like I washing see. feet in the Bible. Wink. <laughs> no. <laughs> washing feet is sacred. Don't take that away from me. No. All right. That's the thing, though, by the way. I do, though, appreciate how, you know, spirits that, like, walk through the world and don't have a physical effect on it the way we would expect. Like, that's super unnerving, right? The no shadow, no reflection, no photography. Yeah. Um, which I love in our favorite Tilda Swinton, Tom Hiddleston movie. Last, last Two Lovers Alive. Only Lovers Left Alive. Only yes. Lovers Left Alive. Extremely good. Um, but I, I also like that these spirits can kind of, they have a physical effect. They have a very physical effect, in fact, on the living, just not the ones that we expect. Yes. Besides fucking to death, mm-hmm. they're not entirely malicious. They're often said to help farmers by protecting cattle and driving away predators from farms where farmers are kind to them. That's nice. That's something. It's said that they usually live in groups, typically in mountain caves or sheds, which they decorate with rugs like you would if you lived in a group house with a bunch of friends at a hippie college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very specific pull. Yeah. Or lots of group homes that have happened in like, you know, earlier societies. I'm just talking from my own personal experiences. Hippie yeah. colleges. Yeah. Upstate New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not wrong. You drive through New Paltz, just like people throw tapestries at you. Yeah, that's just And it. stoner sweatshirts. So many stoner sweatshirts. So they will also steal flax and weave see-through clothing for themselves. Oh, that's extremely neat. I like that. I like that a lot. It's really good imagery. Often they're depicted as braiding flowers into their hair, and they're associated with planting flowers in enticing patterns in the spring in an attempt to lure young boys down the paths. Hell Yes. Oh, so good. It's very good. Landscaping for, you know. Murder. Murder. Landscaping for murder. I appreciate that. Wonderful. Very good. Sounds like a Midsummer Murders, like season three plot line. I like it. And I'm here for it. Mavka are associated with fertility because it is said that the fertility goddess Kostrama was the first Mavka. So it's a whole story, basically, but the goddess boasted basically that she would never get married, but instead fell in love with her long lost brother, Kapalo. The two married, but then the gods told them the truth after the wedding, and then the two committed suicide because they could no longer be together. Awful. Kostrama ran into the forest and drowned herself in a forest lake, but she did not die, but rather became the first Mavka. Because she must forever be separated from her true love, she lowers young men to the edge of her lake and then pulls them into the depths of the lake. She realizes too late that the man is not her lover, and when she does, the man is already drowned. That is a very interesting and tragic take on the sort of, like, vengeful water spirit. Yeah, it's just like, oh, my love has finally come back to me. That's so much sadder than just evil. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. <laughs> Sips drink. <laughs> Sips drink quietly. I'm so sorry. That's kind of the Mavka's whole thing. Getting away from women spirits for a second, we're going to switch over to the uh, Drakavax, which their name literally translates to the screamer or the screecher. Yoinks. <laughs> this unquiet dead literally unquiet in that situation. Sounds like it. Um, Has a couple of different origins and descriptions, which I'll lay out for you and you can tell me which one you like the best. Um, Hint they're all not great. <laughs> so in eastern Serbia, the Drakavax is a humanoid dog or wolf that typically walks on its back legs and mm-hmm. can primarily be found in cemeteries. Don't like that one. A broader version of the story depicts him as an undead man who will crawl out of his grave at nighttime and haunt the people who wronged him in life. Okay. Pretty okay. straightforward. Return to the grave. I like it. Similarly, there is a story where it is a unbaptized baby who will rise out of his grave to haunt his parents. And if the parents cannot be found, it will call out to people passing cemeteries to baptize him so it can finally rest. Aw. A little sadder. Sometimes they're depicted as ghosts of soldiers that wander around at night unable to rest. In particular, in a small Serbian town, they're depicted as having long necks 
long legs and they have a cat-like head. Mm-mm. Yeah. Worst one. Nope. Don't like that one. My personal favorite is one from central Serbia where the Drekovax is a creature with a dappled, elongated, and spindle-thin body with a disproportionately large head, which can also fly because it wasn't already terrible. Mm-mm. No. Don't All like right. that one. So in the total, which one? <sighs> and they all scream real good. The 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 soldiers with the long legs, long neck. Is their their heads a cat? Uh, soldiers are separate one. This one's just long neck, long leg head cat. Don't like the head cat one yeah, bit. I figured. No, figured that bad. was gonna be it. Bad, bad, bad. It seems like it's gonna call out to me in a dream and take me to Wonderland. Only instead of Wonderland, they kill me. Yes, Wonderland is death. Mm-mm. So according to older beliefs, it can be only seen during the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, Why? Only, only at night. <laughs> no. Um, and in early spring where Slavic traditions say that spirits are more active. If you were to see one in the form of a child that predicts that someone in your family is going to die. But if you see one in the form of an animal, it means it's predicting cattle disease for the upcoming year. I mean, neither good. No. But yeah, let's great. let's pause to appreciate how good it is. Like I I moved to displace fall with spring as the most haunted season. Hmm. A Earth is just fucking up my sinuses left and right true. all the time, up and down, day and night. But B, I love this idea that like the Earth is is like displacing and unsettling these spirits, right? Like you're yeah. you're all sorted. You have your winter time. You're doing what you do. Everyone's hibernating, and it's then quiet, the Earth resting. exactly starts to like till itself from the inside, and all the spirits awaken and like just go wreak havoc because they're like there's a tulip where I used to sleep. Damn, I like that. There's a tulip here now. I can't rest. I mean, that's what I'm like whenever I walk into a room and there's flowers there. I'm just like, fuck, I can't rest now. (laughs) I really like that. Cattle disease upcoming year. It is also said that if its shadow is to fall upon you, you will turn sick and die within the next year. I know. At least it gives you a timeline. It's sometime in the next year. I know. But just for just for like seeking refuge in shadow, I am a shadow hopper in the summer. I I cross the street to walk in shadow. I I appreciate it. I get it. My pale, pale skin, Julia. To be fair, they only do come out at night, though. Okay. Okay. So it's got to be full moon shadow. But then is then just the whole world their shadow or like the zone where their shadow would be or just under a full moon? Full moon shadow. Oh. Moon shadow. I feel like that's a warrior cat name. Or like a Holly Black book. Sure. <laughs> that sounds right. So if you are trying to avoid him, uh, they avoid dogs and also bright lights. So have a pupper and a torch if you can. Okay. Pretty Just a good way to live your life. Actually, one of my favorite parts about this myth is that this is one of the few unquiet dead that has modern sightings that I could find at least. Really? So in 1992, villagers in a Serbian town found the remains of an animal that could not be identified as any local species. They described it as looking like a dog, but having a snake-like head and the hind legs of a kangaroo. Bad. That's yeah. the year we came into the world. Don't like that one one bit. Yeah. So adults who were familiar with the story claimed that it was a Drekovax. However, it was later identified as a rotten fox carcass. Uh, gross. Isn't that what they think the Three Mile Island creature was? Like a manatee or dog or raccoon or something? They think it was like a raccoon, Mm. I think. I don't know. Every six months or so, my mom will text me like, Amanda, have you covered Three Mile Island yet on spirits? And I'm like, mom, no. (laughs) We have not. (laughs) Government secrets, man, above my pay grade. In 2003, a series of attacks on sheep had villagers assuming that it was a Drekovax. However... Many villagers disagreed with that theory because the attacks took place during the daytime rather than mm. the night. And as we described, they don't like light. They yeah. know better. They don't like those bright lights. No. That, the sun, the brightest light. 
True. true. Or what if it's just during a solar eclipse? Ooh. Like just during those 30 seconds. Interesting. Mm. Oh. Why hasn't there been like literature or lore about temporary, like super quick hauntings, like lightning round hauntings during eclipses? <laughs> super quick vampire time. Yeah. I mean, that's the uh, that's the plot of 30 Days of Night, right? Where it's a vampire movie about how they're all in like the most northern town possible oh. because the winters get so dark. That sounds like an original concept. And the sun concept. never comes out. It doesn't like come that. out for 30 days. I like that. I know. It's very good. Well, by that logic, then in the summers in Iceland, you can just piss off whatever fucking spirit you want. Yeah. Because there's no night. They ain't going to come out. Nope. Except that the summer fake court. True. Mm. True. Yeah. They just have a 30-day, like, orgy. <laughs> they probably do. On that note, why don't we uh, why don't we think about mortality and go grab a refill? Always, Jules. Julia, we are sponsored this week by HoneyBook. Tell me. And as you know, last week we were at Podcast Movement, and it's one of those situations where, like, we have a full week of conference to do. We have so many live shows and meetings to take and travel to do and maybe a pool to go into if we can find the time. But unfortunately, like, the business keeps running and there is a lot to do. You got to invoice people. You have to, like, take care of your booking and try to find new clients and keep track of your time. And HoneyBook is a tool that makes that really, really easy for folks like us who are busy trying to run a business and also, like, do all the things that the business has to do. Yeah, it's hard, but thank God for HoneyBook. Absolutely. And best of all, right now they are offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com spirits. Best of all, I love this so much. You can actually apply that discount to either the annual or the monthly plans. That's cool. Businesses, you don't always have a few hundred bucks to spend on like whatever it is that you need for a full year. And being able to extend that discount to the monthly plan, I think is really wonderful. That's at honeybook.com slash spirits for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash spirits. Man of the year 2015 rages on. We're in the, we're in the second act of uh, 2019. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I'm getting there because of Care-of. Care-of is a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized to your specific health needs. And if I just want to get swole, Care-of is there to help me. So they are here to help you get into a healthy routine. You take their online quiz, which is fun, easy, and it asks you questions about your health goals, your lifestyle choices. It only takes five minutes. And then you are given recommendations for vitamins and supplements based on scientifically backed information, which is really, really cool. Uh, it's also super easy and convenient. They send you them in these little packages and it's 30 days. You don't have to think about it. And then they ship you the next one. It's really, really simple. And best of all, they're in a compostable plant-based film. So they are those convenient individual packs that help you know whether you've taken it for the day or not, as I forget almost every morning if I've taken my pills for that day. Um, but they are still compostable, which yeah. is wonderful. You don't have to worry about throwing the individual ones in the recycle, which I appreciate. Totally. And vegan and vegetarian options are available. That is so, so cool. And that's the care of difference. Honestly, they are here to make sure that your needs are met. And I appreciate that. So you can go to careof.com and enter the promo code SPIRITS for 25% off your first care of order. That's 25% off your first care of order at takecareof.com with the promo code SPIRITS. So speaking of podcast movement, Jules, we were uh, weirdly at a hotel for five days. We and were. because it was Orlando in August and a mosquito-y swamp outside, we did not want to leave. We did not. Did our best to you know try out the dining establishments there took a uh, uber across the street to Publix because it was a highway mm -hmm. um, and got some groceries but sometimes you need a meal and don't want to pay like $35 for hotel prices yeah that's true thank god we had DoorDash we sure did delivered to our hotel we did to cater Eric Schneider's birthday party and it was totally wonderful so yeah, DoorDash connects you with your favorite restaurants in your city or a city you're not familiar with we don't know Orlando that well no 
and don't have a car. So yeah. like, please help. So they made ordering super easy. So all we had to do was open the DoorDash app, choose what we want to eat, and then the food is delivered to us at our hotel. And whatever city that you are in, they have 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So whether you're visiting someone in a smaller town or going to a metropolis that you don't know very well, DoorDash is there for you. Yeah. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code SPIRITS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code SPIRITS at checkout. Yep, don't forget that's promo code SPIRITS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Thanks, DoorDash. Thanks. We will start out our second half with the Kikimora which is a female house spirit. Now, you probably remember that our good friend, the Domovoy, was also a house spirit, and we've mentioned them on the show before. But the Kikimora is, if the Domovoy's there to, like, help you out with household stuff. and you don't piss them off. And be real cool. Yeah. The Kikimora is, like, the bad side of that. Oh, no. (laughs) It's like 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 good or bad roommate, like angel versus devil on shoulder roommate Mm -hmm. situation. So her name comes from the Finnish word for scarecrow, literally bag-made person. Ooh. Uh, but also it, Finland, what you doing up there? Y'all uh-huh. have so many, so many folklores. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Appreciate it. But her name might also be associated with the mare as a nightmare. Oh. The Mora part. The oh. Uh-huh. When a Kikimora lives in a home, she is said to live behind either the stove or in the cellar. She doesn't make much noise other than a noise reminiscent of a mouse digging through food. Oh, no. Julia, this yeah. is two of my worst fears. A, cleaning behind the stove uh-huh. and B, mice. Yep. That's that's why she's bad. So, however, unlike the Domovoy, she isn't living in your home to help you out, but rather she's the one there to give you nightmares. Oh. So she, like actual nightmares. Yes. She's the, oh. she's the traditional explanation for sleep paralysis in Slavic folklore. It is said that she will enter into the bedroom through a keyhole and will sit on the chest of the occupant and try to strangle them. No. Yeah, it's real bad. Parents will also advise their children that if they are attacked by a kikimora to look past it out the window or to turn on their pillow and make the sign of the cross on it, which I, I don't suffer from sleep paralysis, so I'm not entirely sure if this is good advice or not, but... That's the advice that they give them. Oh, that's real. That really gives me like real shivers around like dissociation and trying to like distract yourself. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yikes. So additionally, one could leave a broom upside down behind the door, put a belt on their sheets or perform an elaborate prayer before bed in order to ward her off. Would the broom be distracting the Kikimura that that's the person instead of the person in the bed? Ooh, I'm not sure. Or maybe it's just kind of like a luck or fortune, kind of like reversing of the household cleaning implement. Yeah, like, they didn't sure. provide info as to why those were the things to do. Yeah. Like the belt thing. I don't understand why that is. But I mean, anyone with personal experience, let us know. Yeah, cool. So she can typically be tracked because of her wet footprints. And she was often convinced to come into a home by home builders if they want to cause harm to someone who is buying the house. Wow, what a good reason to pay your contractors on time. Yeah, and well, <laughs> please tip the uh, the laborers who help build your home. Yeah. Once she's inside, she's very difficult to get her to leave. She will sometimes help look after chickens and do housework, but most of the time she's found whistling, breaking dishes, and making noises <laughs> in the night that keep up members of the household. I mean, chicken tending at what cost? Yes, at what cost? How, how how many eggs do you really need? 
Also, I will say I appreciate the sort of traditional gender reversal of household labor here. Like mm. she is there to sow discord and not to like keep your home clean and be silent and just like perform that labor. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of a reason behind it. So basically, she's sometimes described as a malevolent ghost who attaches herself to a particular house. But the term is also used to describe an ugly woman who strives to make her husband's life miserable by being ill-tempered and grumbling. I mean, yeah. uh, sounds more likely that that the husband's bad and the person's just living their life. Yep. As I mentioned earlier on the episode, Jake and I have been watching a lot of Sopranos. Yes. And I just feel terrible for every single woman on that show. I bet. Because they're just like, I, I get that there's a lot going on in this man's life because he's chosen a life of crime for himself. But please, like, give your wife attention. Please yeah. tend to her needs. You know, that's all I ask. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So one of my favorite versions of the Kikimura story, however, comes from Poland, where she is not the soul of the dead, but rather the soul of a living person, which leaves the body during the night and is seen as either a wisp of straw, hair, or a sphinx moth, or a night butterfly. Whoa, that's awesome. I know. I like the imagery of just like, my soul leaving my body and just going to be a, a moth somewhere in the night. Yeah. And like your nighttime self just being a super chaotic, evil creature mm -hmm. while your day self sleeps. Yeah. I mean, that's very similar. And I'll touch upon this a little bit later because there's another story that is similar to that. Uh, the Benedanti episode that we talked yeah, about. Yeah, That they were totally. much more benevolent than malicious. Yeah. It's even in their name, Benedanti. Yeah. <laughs> That reminds me of when we walked into the Italy showcase uh, in Epcot and Jake just started speaking Italian and we were like, hello. I was like, what are you <laughs> I didn't even know you spoke that. What are, what are you doing? As I paid for my drink, he's like, say grazie signore. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. So we'll swap over now to something I hinted at earlier in the episode, the Slavic version of vampires. Tell me all about it. There's a bunch of different ones. It's okay. very exciting. So in Slavic folklore, vampires are considered the unquiet dead because of unnatural or untimely death. Again, suicide is a big cause in this one, but sometimes it's stuff like excommunication from the church, mm. being buried improperly, or even an animal or bird crossing over the corpse or the corpse's grave before they're laid in it, which I feel like probably happens a lot. You can't control birds no you can't birds are free animals birds do what they will birds just fly over stuff all the time it doesn't matter if it's an empty grave or not no on their way to just be good husbands <laughs> they are they're very good husbands <laughs> so when it comes to the creation of vampires especially close to romania the first 40 days after death are crucial mm. first the soul starts as a invisible shadow and then slowly gains strength as it starts to steal blood from the living so it becomes this jelly-like boneless mass during this period of time but as they take more and more blood and feed on more and more it becomes more and more human-like as the as the body kind of gains sustenance this is very similar to when we were watching the mummy yeah and every time he stole a piece of the body parts from the people he became more human-like or less like mummy -like. the future of jellyfish evolution oh no don't say that that sounds terrifying also I, this is almost this is like anti-lent Right? Like, think okay. about it for a minute. So it's a 40-day yeah. time period. Yes. Traditionally, during Lent, you give something up to kind of clarify your spirit, to do penitence, to, like, focus on what's really important and to, and to you know, make a sacrifice to kind of honor the sacrifice of Jesus that you're going to then honor and celebrate during Easter, sure. et cetera. Um, but this is the opposite, where instead of your your soul growing uh, more clarified and pure, your sin manifests and manifests and manifests and becomes more and more, like, I don't know, corporeal, until at the end of it, got a vampire there. That's a very good point. Thank you, yeah. Amanda. That's very, very good. So eventually they'll feed enough to create a body that was identical to their own in life. 
the lore is also a whole thing because once their body is complete, they can fuck. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Truly the anti-lent. So it's said that vampires can become sexually active and have children. And those children are sometimes born with the ability to see and kill vampires, which makes them vampire hunters. This is a whole YA shit. Julia, I really why don't we have this universe to live in and play in? I feel like we do. I feel like that's very similar to what uh, Bram Stoker laid out with his Dracula series. It's true. And we have other kinds of like crossover mythological creature, human, you know, powers scenarios right. and all kinds of books and movies but i just think when you lay it out like that yeah. it sounds like some ya shit it sure does yeah. renezme is up in here there we go thank you for that so there are actually some pretty cool alternative versions to vampires in this area so for instance some will appear as butterflies again we talked about this before mm. representing a soul that is departed a body additionally there are some traditions of living vampires which are people who have the ability to have their souls leave their bodies and engage in vampiric activity while the body sleeps like Ooh. i said the benedanti yeah so there is another version where the recent dead have, quote, not lived piously, and so they will appear at crossroads, bridges, caves, and graveyards. Hmm. They will then attack people in their homes and drink their blood. Uh, and this is a type of vampire that we get the wooden stake killing technique from. Yes. Which, gotta love that. Cool. Very cool. Okay, Jules, second motion of the episode. Mm. Not only are we replacing fall with spring as the most haunted season, but I think that we should... Uh, either consider a sequel to our bar, the Bull Moose Party, mm-hmm. speakeasy behind a bookstore. Yes. We should make something at a crossroads. I feel okay. like there aren't enough places at crossroads for us to hang out, be witchy, and just like chill in a liminal space where nothing matters and there's no law. You just reminded me of a script that I feel like I wrote based on an idea that we had about four or five years ago. Yes. Crossroads this, Diner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, we should write that. Oh, shit. Yep. We were thinking about that before we started Spirits. Yeah, we were. Oh, oh, You were going to have to sit down and write that at some point, huh? Uh, Join the multi-crew and stay tuned. Yes. (laughs) Good Good plug. There is also a Slovakian myth of a vampire called the Pijavika, which translates to literally leech, which is very cool. And the way to protect yourself from that is placing mashed garlic and wine in the thresholds of your house in order to keep it from entering. Uh, And it can only be killed with fire while it's awake. Okay. I mean, that sounds like not a bad way to, you know, aroma your house. Yeah. Honestly, wine and garlic, that's just our house on a Sunday. Yeah, that sounds really likely and probably smells better than whatever was being smelt yeah, that's back true. in the day. So I'll finish with the earliest recording of vampire activity from the area, which dates to 1672. In Slovakia? Yes. So the records state that a man named Guer Grando, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, I am so sorry, in a village known as... Kring, K-R-I-N-G, Kring, was causing a panic in his town. So he died in 1656, but according to local villagers, he returned from the dead and began drinking the blood of villagers and sexually harassing his widow. No. Yeah, not great. Don't like that. So villagers attempted to drive a stake through his heart, but it failed to kill him. So instead he was beheaded, which ended his reign of terror. Okay, okay. I mean, that's where we get kind of beheading vampire lore from. That makes sense. Makes sense. (laughs) I feel real bad that the stake didn't work. Beheading did. Not great. Yeah. So I want to finish just this roundup with the Rosalka, because there's some debate as to whether or not she's technically the unquiet dead. 
So she most likely started as a regular nature spirit before she was later associated with the unquiet dead because of their origins being conflated with being an unclean death. So originally, Rusalka were water spirits associated with fertility, and it wasn't until the 19th century that they were viewed as malicious spirits. It was probably one of those, uh, well, it's not pagan, it's fine situations. Yeah. So similar to the Mavka, they are young women who committed suicide via drowning due to either an unhappy marriage or a jilted lover or were drowned against their will, typically because they had an unwanted pregnancy and the family didn't want to deal with that kind of stuff. So many stories mention that the souls of young women who died near a river or a lake would come back to haunt that area. The only way that a Rusulka can die in peace is if her death is avenged. Uh, But until then, she's this malevolent spirit who will lure young man to the waterways, entangle their legs with her long hair, which I really like that imagery. Oh, dang. And then pull them under the water and drown them. Like sentient seaweed. I know. I love sentient seaweed. It's very, very good. So that is our, that's our Unquiet Dead episode, Amanda. I would love to hear your thoughts on just everything as a whole, as always. Oh, I mean, just there's so many different kind of depictions of what spirits can do, look like, manifest as the sort of like physical boundaries of when they can interact with the world, yeah. which you know is kind of my jam. Yes. Um, and I I love this way of looking at these spirits as a cross-section, like I was saying earlier, not as their sort of like alignment or what effect they have on the world, but how that spirit was made. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the time, the sort of like first thing that we learn and the stuff that's depicted in cartoons or Scooby-Doo or something, right, is like uh, an evil person becomes an evil spirit. But that's not always how it goes. And sometimes evil done to you, you know, creates like the act and the person left behind together are manifested in the death. It's not like the essence of the person that ends up surviving, unfortunately. I mean, that's something that we see in ghost lore all the time is that, you know, I have unfinished business or I can't rest peacefully because something was done to me. And I feel like the fact that we've been telling those stories for ages and ages and eons and eons is very cool because, you know, people have understood that there's wrong ways to die since the dawn of time. And the fact that we can tell stories about those spirits and they can live on because, you know, their stories are kind of this lesson for us to learn as living people, I think is really touching in a way. It's sad for sure, but it's also touching and uh, emotional in a way that I I can't really describe. And there's something, too, about kind of the like the rituals that we do after a death Mm -hmm. where like and especially from like a secular point of view it kind of doesn't have a logic to why we have an obligation to people after they die Mm -hmm. um and we've talked before about how mourning rituals you know obviously are so important to to the living um to to process to deal with to honor that death um like i was just at a, a wake last weekend and there is something of the routine of it, of knowing what's happening, of seeing everybody, of like making that pilgrimage, that makes a lot of sense. And seeing uh, burial and kind of post-death rituals manifested in such a concrete way like if you don't do this this will happen to the person um there there's just like there's a power to it that i can't necessarily name or point to and obviously this is such a concrete and integral part of every i think tradition pretty much yeah and just seeing this little cross-section of like ways that we can choose to do right by somebody after death or not um is just it's really moving Yeah, and I think there's something to be said, or just at least to point out the fact that most of these unquiet dead come from, like, vulnerable 
groups. So yeah. young children or women who are in either abusive relationships or, you know, domestic assault. And I think that the fact that not only do they get a life after, but they get a option of redemption, mm-hmm. you know, with the with the Rasalka, they can be avenged and find peace or with the the Mavka, you know, maybe one day she'll find her love again and, you know, she won't have to go on drowning people. Yeah, you know, I think that I think there's something to be said that we we've understood for a very long time that certain groups are vulnerable to things and that they deserve better than what they get. Yeah. And I think that hope that your life is not necessarily one and done. And regardless of kind of your viewpoint about what happens after death, having these uh, stories and examples of ways that we can influence the world and not just be influenced by it. There's a lot of hope in that. Yeah, I agree. So uh, guard your open graves. Don't let any birds fly over that. Don't let the birds fly over them. Don't let it. And remember, stay creepy. Stay cool. Thank you again to our sponsors. HoneyBook is a purpose-built business management platform for creative small businesses, and they're giving you 50% off your first year at honeybook.com spirits. Care of the personalized vitamin service designed to fit your life and body will give you 25% off your first order with the code spirits at takecareof.com. And DoorDash is the fast, convenient food delivery app. Get $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code spirits at checkout. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.